0: Hello, welcome to the New Books Network, the African-American Studies channel. I'm your host, James Stansel. And today we're going to be talking with independent scholar Carrie Lee Merritt. Her book comes from Cambridge University Press and is called Masterless Men, Poor Whites and Slavery in the Antebellum South. And so this is a topic that really hasn't been broached or uh, discussed a whole lot. So she's really kind of opening up a whole new area of research. These masterless men, these poor whites. Um, during the uh, slavery times, They weren't slave owners and they weren't slaves. They were kind of something in between. So I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast interview. So take a a listen here. I'm your host, James Stansel, and I have the great pleasure today of being here with an outstanding independent scholar from the Atlanta, Georgia area. And we're going to be talking with her today about her book, which comes to us from our friends at Cambridge University Press. It's called Masterless Men, Poor White's and slavery in the antebellum South. Right. So we're going to be talking about slavery and the slave era, but we're not going to be talking about the enslaved peoples. We're going to be talking about some other people that were um, existing around that time. And Carrie Lee tells their story a little bit. So how are you doing today? Good afternoon, Carrie Lee Merritt.
1: Hi, James. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks.
0: I'm good. I'm doing well also. And when I saw your book, you know, we're connected on LinkedIn, Carrie Lee, and I was like, man. This is, seems really interesting. I got to get Carrie Lee on the show and, and talk to our audience a little bit about these poor whites and, and what was going on with slavery um, in the antebellum South during that time. So, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of our program.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, this is a subject that not a lot of people know about. Um, mm-hmm. It's been written about a little bit, but you know, definitely still in its infancy.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for uh, having that interest, and you know, kind of adding to that scholarship i'm thinking throughout the course of our conversation today people are going to learn a lot more and hopefully you will have some listeners that will, you know gain some interest and one day they can write masterless men too or the <laughs> <laughs> let's hope or the sequel or the uh or the update so Carly, before we get into a lot of depth about the book you know i really like to on my podcast to give the audience a chance to learn about the writers and the scholars like yourself so, if you don't mind, can you talk with us a little bit about your background and and your interest in this topic?
1: Sure. Um, I was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Spent mm. a few years there, but most of my family is from um, the foothills of Appalachia in okay. South Carolina. Uh, my mom actually grew up in an old mill village house, wow. um, a very poor part of town, and. Uh Although I grew up mainly in the suburbs of Atlanta and in Atlanta itself, right. I go up to South Carolina during my summers and would kind of see what was going on on a race class level you mm-hmm. know in this. Poorest area of this little mill village, okay. and it always intrigued me. It wasn't the same kind of story that um, you know you're told about segregation over and over again in the South. It was a very integrated community. There still was a lot of racism. Sure. I'm not discounting that at all, but um, people lived together. They worked together. You know, they they were neighbors, mm-hmm. and so it it made me really get interested in Southern history. I went to Emory University for my undergraduate degree, okay. Great Got, school. did uh, political science and history. Then I worked for a couple of years to earn money for grad school and went to University of Georgia in Athens, oh. did my master's and Ph.D. And so this book, Masterless Men, is actually um, based on my dissertation that okay. I did there. Wow.
0: OK, good. And, you know, we have that a lot from, you know, from the Scholars on the New Books Network, that dissertation work turns into their first or second book or some, you know, um, some independent projects early in their career. Wow. And so Hattiesburg, Mississippi, South Carolina, Georgia. Wow. You've got a lot of those what they call those SEC uh, (laughs) type South connections there. So, yeah, I can I can see where, you know, that would kind of pique your interest a little bit. Right. So masterless men. So, you know, just just tell us a little bit about that title and, you know, and, and what that means and or, you know, what it means to you.
1: Sure. Well, so these are poor white people that I'm okay. looking at, and I should just try to provide a definition to begin okay. with. Good, good. Um, the most standard one comes from a scholar named Charles Bolton, mm-hmm. and he described them as being landless and slaveless. Mm. Um, and that that definition has been amended some in the last 20 years or so. It's become okay. a little bit more sociological because it's not always easy to find out, you know, did somebody own a few little paltry acres that, you know, probably oh. didn't produce much? You know, it, it's more were they considered poor whites by people in society. Did they consider themselves poor whites? But again, the most standard definition is no, no land, no slaves. Mm. Um, and generally the ones I look at in my book, I try to make sure they have if, if they show up in census records that they have less than one hundred dollars worth of personal property. Wow. Um, and so to give you an idea of how. These people kind of fit into Southern history um, better in a socioeconomical way. Sure. Um, my book looks at the Deep South, and I don't look at Louisiana because that's just way too different yeah, from different. a legal, legal history perspective and just the racial caste kind of system. Okay. Definitely very different. Um, but so I look at South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and all of those states have very high percentages of. Slaves. Okay. So you know we're talking about you know thirty-five to fifty percent. South Carolina is even over fifty percent slave by eighteen sixty. And I think that wherever you have a society that's approaching fifty percent uh, of the people being enslaved, it's Mm -hmm. a completely different culture um, than you know even some of the upper South states because for slaveholders to kind of keep society you know in check and to prevent revolt and Rebellion Mm -hmm. among that many people, you know, you you need a pervasive kind of police state and vigilante violence and all this other stuff. So um, The Deep South is very different than even the rest of the South Um, And in the Deep South among the other, you know, 50% or so of the population that is white You can basically I argue divide that white population into about one-third were slaveholders. Okay. One third were yeomen um, meaning that they owned land, but okay. that they you know, or they were from the middling classes, like lawyers, merchants, something like that okay. but did, didn't necessarily own slaves um, and then the poorest third of whites were the poor whites who I look at, mm-hmm. and um, I argue that because they were so uh, detached and disconnected from the uh, the institution of slavery because they didn't benefit economically from it and that actually slavery hurt them socioeconomically, mm-hmm. um, that they were kind of masterless men in this, mm. you know, society full of masters and slaves. Right.
0: So they were, yeah, they, they weren't the masters. They weren't the slaves. They were just kind of that kind of awkward
1: in between. Right. They fit in nowhere and instead kind of threaten the slave system because there was a lot of interracial interaction between mm-hmm. poor whites and slaves.
0: And, you know, and, and as you mentioned before, that's not something people really think about as much. You know, we try to make things so binary, you know, and is, is this mm-hmm. way or is that. But there were these these other folks. Well, you know, and I think back to and, and I don't know if you saw this film, um, the um, 12 Years a Slave. Right. Yes. Or in the book is you know, and there was that uh poor white man that uh um you know, told on or or or, or kind of exposed uh Solomon Northrop's plan in there. Right. He was someone that he was, you know, was had to work, but he wasn't a slave per se. So, you know, that kind of makes me think about you know, like you said, that masterless man, um, you know, that you're studying would you would you think that would be the same type individual?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, One of the the myths I dispel is that uh, overseers are actually not poor whites. You know, most people think that the slave overseers were were poor whites, but they're actually middle class. Um, They're very well paid. They're well educated. They have to be able to write, uh, you know, add, subtract, do basic math. Mm -hmm. Um, So more the jobs that... These poor whites do is they're tenant farmers, they're sharecroppers, um, but I argue that there's this big shift in slavery in the kind of 1830s, 1840s,
2: yeah. um,
1: and a lot of these really popular books that have been out in the last couple of years, like Ed Baptist and um, you know Walter Johnson, they're looking at this. Huge migration of enslaved people from the upper south states Mm. to the lower south states Basically over 800,000 slaves are shifted Mm. into the lower south. And so in those decades um, All agricultural work is kind of taken over by slaves in the deep south and you know all of these poor whites who had long worked in agriculture as agricultural laborers Mm. are displaced from their jobs and so some, there's really kind of two groups. Some of them start working um, in non-agricultural labor. Um, they start you know, digging ditches, you know, building roads, building railroads, working in um, right. mining, working in factories. Okay. Um, anything with tools that was not agricultural, they were considered mechanics. OK, back in Antebellum times. And then there's another group um, that just kind of gave up. They stopped looking for work. Mm. Um, They knew that the wages were so bad, you know, they could probably do better hunting fishing, living off the land Mm -hmm. um, as much as they could. But they also stole a lot from planters. um, Mm -hmm. And they also traded heavily with slaves in the underground economy. And so this starts becoming a really big problem for slaveholders. Um, This kind of uh, slaves are stealing produce and things off the plantations and then trading them with poor whites for, for liquor or for other goods that they can't usually get. Wow.
0: Well, yeah, you just taught me something because I always had the view of the uh, overseer as being, you know, and as you often see in movies and not, you know, an Irishman or you mm-hmm. know, a, a poor white person who just hates, you know, you know, black people because, you know, he's poor himself. And, you know, they're kind of close in proximity in terms of social class. But but from your research and, you know, and, and you know, what you found, that was not the case, at least not in every case.
1: Right. Uh No, you're you're absolutely correct. Um, from my research, I really don't see that kind of rabid racism that takes place, you know, even now between poor whites and blacks. You don't really see that in the antebellum time. Um, you you see much more collaboration. You mm. see much more working together. You see actually a lot of relationships, so many interracial relationships. Um And whether or not people are living together or, you know, I I have a whole chapter that goes into a part on um, interracial babies being born to Mm -hmm. white women who then, unfortunately, you know, kill their babies. So a chapter on, you know, infanticide, Mm it it gets it gets incredibly heartbreaking. But there's a whole lot more um, racial commingling going on than Mm -hmm. than even most historians have found.
0: And I guess you're saying they would kill the, the babies because of the lack of social acceptability for an interracial baby.
1: Oh, yes. And I mean, the, the woman would be, you know, ostracized from society and you know, at, at the very least. Wow.
0: And so what are we talking about here? If you just kind of tuning in, you're like, what in the world are Carrie Lee <laughs> and, and, and James talking about here? Well, we're talking about Carrie Lee Merritt's book, Masterless Men. Whites and Slavery in the Antebellum South. And her book is published by Cambridge University Press. And I'm so, I'm so happy to have my link, LinkedIn connection with me today. Mm-hmm. She's, an, she's an independent scholar from the uh, Atlanta, Georgia area. And, you know, she's telling us about something that you don't often hear about. You hear about the enslaved Africans or the enslaved persons. But there were other people who had some struggles and difficulties or at least financially, if not otherwise, um, you know, during this time period as well. And they were known as um, as Carrie Lee found the the masterless men, right? So they were kind of that that class in between the uh, wealthy or the masters and the en- enslaved persons um, in the antebellum period, right? So, you know, Carrie Lee, before we go on uh, you know, a little bit um, Can you maybe talk to our audience about how long did it take for you to write this book and or complete this research project for your dissertation? Or even you can combine dissertation and book if you,
2: <laughs> right. if
0: you if you if you want in the in the in terms of the chronology. But, you know, can you talk about, you know, how long it took for you to complete this and what research methods did you use? Because, you know, a lot of people who maybe want to become scholars or who do similar work to you. You know, it's interesting for them to, to hear what methods you use and where you looked for your research.
1: Sure. Um, so I started this project actually. um, that, well, I, I I was always interested in the topic and mm. kind of realized how little was written about poor oh, whites. Yes. And so when I started graduate school, I started knowing that's the topic I wanted to look ah. at. Oh, that's smart. But, yeah, but the problem being is that all of these people were illiterate, and so they didn't leave any records. And it's mm. incredibly hard to find sources on them because even for The enslaved, they're, you know, this great treasure trove of WPA slave narratives Mm -hmm. um, that were taken in the Great Depression. Um, And so at least you have some voices there. The closest thing for poor whites um, to that is something called the Tennessee Veterans Questionnaires. And that Mm -hmm. was those were conducted uh, around 1914 through the early 1920s, um, given to um, mostly Confederate veterans. Um, and so you see some of these men talking about class and you can tell from their answers that they are very uh, they are class conscious. Mm-hmm. They realize that uh, slavery is harmful to their livelihoods, um, that they can't find jobs because of slavery. Um, so I used I used those two groups uh, uh heavily in my research but i also used a lot of legal records um a lot of county level um superior court records i used a lot of coroner's reports mm-hmm. um you know how people die tells you a lot about society so right. exposes you know the abuse going on in society the alcoholism the you know the suicide levels i used a lot of petitions to governors and different um you know different boards of the state um, where it's talking about people's different grievances. Mm -hmm. Um, I used so many different records, census records,
2: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, looking up all these people and trying to trace, you know, where they're moving and, and, you know, going for work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, the kind of trajectory of the book then becomes, I, I write my master's thesis looking at vagrancy and how mm-hmm. they, you know, vagrancy is a, you've probably talked to some of uh, your interviewees about vagrancy in the postbellum
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, when it's all African-Americans being locked up, wow. um, you know, in a kind of new, new slavery. Mm-hmm. But in the antebellum, it's primarily poor whites being locked up. And a lot of them are being locked up precisely because they are having uh, relationships or dealings, business dealings with African-Americans. Right. Um, and so it is kind of, they're using vagrancy and all these different social control methods to okay. kind of segregate poor whites and blacks. Wow. And, and so I wrote my master's thesis on that. It then, you know, gets bigger and becomes a dissertation. And I kind of just look at the entire world of poor whites um, in the deep South. And, so that the dissertation, graduate school, seven years actually, mm-hmm. and then I know it will. <laughs> yep, after all, and that's fast, right? That's fast that's <laughs> something like history. Um, and then uh, I took a full two years after the dissertation to add about three chapters and um, round everything out. And I did a little bit of new research, mm-hmm. uh, but I made it more of a national story instead mm-hmm. of just a southern story okay. for the actual book. Wow.
0: So we're looking at about 10 years or so.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah a decade of work in this.
0: Yeah. And Carly, you would not be surprised to to hear that that often when I ask this question of, you know, the, the scholars and thinkers and academics on um, our show on New Books Network, that's generally what I hear. Ten mm-hmm. years to 12 years. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah. Decade long. Uh, Laborers of love. So, you know, I had already, when I asked the question, I already kind of knew what your answer mm-hmm. <laughs> was going to be. At least it
1: seems like it's getting yeah. quicker now, you know, I'm, yes. I'm able, now that the first one's done, I think, you know, the next few will come at a much quicker pace.
0: I, I think so. And, you yeah. know, and that's, you know, what you do as an academic, you know, it's, uh, you're learning your craft. Right. It takes so long for you to be able to do that first one, you know, and, and that's usually one of your, you know, main topics that that that's closest to your heart. And so mm-hmm. you polish that thing up and, you know, you get it as perfect as it has to be because those dissertation chairs want it that way. And um, and then, you you know, you get out there in the world and you kind of know how to do it. So, right. Well, well, you did a great job, Carrie Lee. I'll tell you that this is, you know, this is great work here. So kudos to you. And you definitely, as you said earlier, found a topic that is, you know, it's near and dear to your heart. But it's, it's one that is a story that's not really told as much. And so, you know, I I think, you know, they they always tell us when we're working on, you know, in, you know, in the academy and working on PhDs and stuff. Did you want to do some work that is impactful on society, impactful Mm -hmm. in the community? Right. And not just sit on a shelf somewhere. And certainly, I think um, your work here with Masterless Men is definitely going to do that. It definitely attracted my attention. Right. So it's not on sitting on the shelf.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. I hope so. I I mean, I hope there's something to learn from this all. I hope. That, um, you know, more Americans will realize that there are definite times in our nation's history where um, blacks and whites and different races really came together and there yeah. was a chance, at least a chance for something to happen. Now, it's all, you know, it's always thwarted, usually by those in power, usually by those making money off the exploited labor sure. um, from both groups. But yeah. it, it, there is a chance.
0: Mm -hmm. so maybe you know we need to try to get your book in the hands of uh as many people as we can in 2017 in today's world
1: hey i'm trying i'm trying (laughs) i actually i i thought it was a joke but uh keith ellison representative Mm -hmm. keith ellison Mm -hmm. read one of my pieces recently and contacted me so i'm going to be on his podcast uh coming up in the next few weeks so we're trying we're trying there's a group of us historians right now a lot of um younger very progressive historians trying to get in touch with you know, politicians and Mm -hmm. and make some changes on on the policy level
0: and get them thinking about some of these types of things. We can learn so much from the past, which is why Mm -hmm. historians stay employed. I
1: I, I would not have spent a decade of work on one (laughs) book. I didn't believe it could be applicable to today.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we're here with Carrie Lee Merritt. Masterless Men, Poor Whites and Slavery into antebell- in the antebellum South. And her book is published by Cambridge University Press and we're here on the New Books Network, the African American Studies Channel. And Carrie Lee, thank you so much for, you know, uh explaining your book and stuff to us. And, you know, I, I want to talk about a little bit this cover. I love your cover. I told you that, you know, offline. So if you don't mind, you know, maybe can you explain the cover to us a little bit and and you know, kind of where the image or images come from.
1: Sure, um, that cover is actually something I found. Um, the publisher was nice enough. You know, there's there's not many photographs or anything <laughs> of poor whites from the 19th from the whole 19th century. Right. So um, I happen to just be doing Google image searches for poor whites, and that came up, and it was actually illustrated by uh, the illustrator for. Um, the first Huckleberry, Huckleberry Fenn novel. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Wow. And so it, so th- this is from your perspective, you know, representing poor whites or, you know,
1: yes, yeah. It's entitled, min- Yeah. it's entitled poor whites. It's just supposed <laughs> to be kind of the stereotype of them. And of course the stereotype of them is kind of, you know, dirty, swarthy, ignorant, you know, ungodly, um, drunken, you know, fighters. It's, uh, Lazy. I could go on and on. They were they were um, very heavily stereotyped. Yeah. Well,
0: growing up in uh, eastern North Carolina, I must say I did I did meet a few of those. (laughs) Right. So.
1: (laughs) Hey, I got some of them in my family. Yeah, (laughs) I was gonna
0: say they. they, Well, I'm sure many people do. Um, Mm -hmm. And of all races, creeds, and uh, colors, it's not just uh, poor whites there. But yeah, it reminds me of people that I knew growing up, and they weren't necessarily mean or bad people. They were what they they were. All right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and
1: circumstance, I, circumstance uh, leads to a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in, in the antebellum South or in uh, the 21st century, mm-hmm. um, I think we can certainly um, agree on that. So, yeah, this is a great image. And if you don't see the image, you know, if you're sitting in your car or whatever, um, you know, listening to us on New Books Network. If you get a chance to go to our blog page, you're going to see a, a nice picture and image of Carrie Lee. She's going to be there. Mm -hmm. But then you can also see a uh, picture of her book cover and I'll have a nice uh, blog thing written up there for you so you can see a description of her book. And then you can click through on that blog page and go to our, our partner bookseller and purchase a copy of Masterless Men, Carrie Lee's book, right there from our blog page. And I'm sure Carrie Lee would have no problem if you did just that. Right. Oh, here. I would
1: love it. I would love it. And just, uh, I know it's an expensive book. Um, the paperback will be out this spring, okay. so that w- that'll be at least half price for those of you on a budget. Yeah. I-, I don't want it to seem so out of reach. Yeah.
0: Well, good academic scholarship costs money, Carrie. Don't
1: it does? Got to go to those libraries first. But yeah, the book yeah. for the people will be out in the spring. Yeah, How about for the that? People,
0: yeah. So if yeah, if you if you're not quite quite ready for this particular, it's a little it's a little more expensive now. But again, that's how, you know, academic books goes. You heard Carly, you know, just said, go to the libraries and the universities and such first. But uh, but you've already gotten a commitment for a paperback version, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, it'll uh, definitely be out.
0: Yeah. So it'll be out in in the spring. And in the meantime, if they need to wait until then, they can just listen to our podcast and uh, get some uh, and they can save it like on uh, Amazon or any of those those booksellers. They can like save it on their wish list and uh, and and pick it up in the in, in the spring. Right. And so, yes. You can click through and you can find out information about Carrie Lee's book there um, on our, our blog page for new books and African-American studies. And if people want to get in contact with you, Carrie Lee, you know, is there a way that they can do that? They may, you know, in hearing this podcast or or, or reading, them, you know, or, or even your book, they may have some stories that they want to share with you or some of their relatives or some kind of information or just want to know more about your research. Is there a way they can get in contact with you?
1: Sure. Um, I'm very active on Twitter, and okay. my my name there is just at Carrie Lee Merritt. There's only one T on the end because it runs out of letters. But um, you can look me up there. Um, I'm I'm currently working on a website. It should be done in the next okay. week or two and Great. be up and running. I I welcome any kind of messages, uh, emails. I'm I'm always uh, interested to hear what people are thinking. And I I write occasionally for Bill Moyers and um, I'm trying to get some more popular pieces out there. So, you know, stay looking for those. I've also co-edited a book recently um, with Matthew Hild over at Georgia Tech
2: um,
1: on Southern labor history. Southern labor history, Southern labor history. And so that will be out in the spring as well with um, University Press of Florida. And that's got some amazing new scholars and new historians coming up, a lot of graduate students and people that have graduated in the last couple of years. You know, young assistant professors, really great new uh, research.
0: Okay, wow. And do you have a title for it yet or?
1: Yes, it's called Reviving Southern Labor History, Race, Class and Power.
0: All right. Reviving Southern Labor History, Race, Class and Power. And this is an edited volume that yourself and another gentleman um, are going to be working on together. So that's another place if you're interested and you really like Carrie Lee's writing or the subjects that she writes on, you can look for her there. And and you mentioned Bill Moyers. You do some stuff with Bill Moyers.
1: Yes.
0: Potentially here coming up with Representative Keith Ellison. You mentioned that, too.
1: Lots of things are happening. It's a a good year for historians. (laughs) It's a
0: good year for Carrie Lee Merritt. It sounds like.
1: After a decade of work, yes, it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to get you on the New Books Network and and, and talk with you now because it sounds like you're going to be uh, busy. But don't forget us, you know, when you have oh, your,
1: not at all, not yeah. at all. Thank you so much, James. I really had a, a good time talking to you today. Yeah,
0: absolutely. When you have your future projects, uh, definitely come back to us on the New Books and uh, African American Studies channel. And that book that you're going to be co-editing, that may be something that we could get on. As well, because I, I think that again may be something that our audiences are interested in
1: oh yes there's there are some amazing uh essays there, one in particular of the female uh, black female Knights of labor I mean, just some amazing oh. stuff in there Wow, Yeah
0: Man, you got me interested yeah. now i'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to put that on my wish right. list. that sounds uh pretty good. Do you know uh, and you may not know yet because we're just getting into the fall semester in terms of university calendars. Do you have any um, speaking engagements, book talks, or anything? Uh, you know of lined up as yet?
1: I have not lined any up yet. Uh, so uh, give me a call, guys. If you want me to come out?
0: I was, Carrie, you read my mind. I was just going to say for those of you out there who schedule those types of things, as you can hear here uh, from our conversation, Carrie Lee will be a great person to uh, have conversation with and to participate with on those book panels and such. And I think this is a very, very interesting topic. And so she, she her 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 fall schedule is, and in terms of those things, has not, has not been filled as yet. But it mm-hmm. sounds like the podcast and that writing you've got uh, is, is, has filled up a little bit there as as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so that's keeping me busy.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, Carolee, it, it was really great, you know, talking with you. I know we talked offline about, you know, you've got your young children there, and um, I don't want to keep you from 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 that. I wish you all could see this this beautiful Japanese architecture she has <laughs> in her house, man. My son's an architecture major, and I was like, wow, this is really pretty. That's the, the sad thing about podcasting, you know, versus the visual. They can't, they can't. Mm-hmm. See. But uh, she's got, just take my word for it, New Books Network. She's got some, some pretty decor in her house back there as well. Um, so, Carrie Lee, thank you so much for taking some time with us. And let me repeat the name of this book one more time, Masterless Men, Poor Whites and Slavery in the Antebellum South. And the author is independent scholar Carrie Lee Merritt. She is a daughter of the South, as you heard, Mississippi, South Carolina, Georgia. She's definitely a daughter of the South. And now she's working in that Atlanta, Georgia area. And her book is published by Cambridge University Press. It's in hardcover right now. And you can click through on our new books network blog entry for this interview and you can purchase the book. And she also mentioned that it's going to be coming out in the spring in paperback, which is sometimes a little more moderately priced. For, um, you know, people who, who you know, maybe aren't interested in buying things at the uh, academic or hardcover price. All right. So check this book out. And Carrie Lee, before we go, can you tell my audience goodbye?
1: Thank you guys so much. I so appreciate being on here and uh, I hope to stay in touch. Thank you, James. Have a good one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll talk with Carrie Lee a little bit more offline, but this is all you get to hear. We're going to talk about some other fun things. No, no, no. It's <laughs> like, oh, we need part two. No, no, no. Um, we're going to let Carrie Lee go. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, the book is Masterless Men. And peace and love. We'll see you next time and hear you next time on the African-American Studies channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stanson. All right. We are back. This is James Stansel, your host of the African-American studies channel of the New Books Network. We just finished up our interview with uh, the author of Masterless Men, Carrie Lee Merritt, an independent scholar from the Atlanta, Georgia area. I hope you really liked it. You know, her book is about poor whites and slavery in the antebellum South, uh, published by Cambridge University Press. So I really hope you enjoyed that interview and it kind of piqued your interest in this topic. And definitely uh, check out Carrie's website. It's just her name, carrieleemerit.com. And uh, she's got she mentioned an edited book coming up, and she's got some other future projects. I think she's definitely an up and coming scholar that you're going to be hearing a lot more from. So, on that note, I will see you and hear you next time. Everyone take care, peace, and love.